This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome. Thanks for listening. This is Embodied Astrology and this is Renee. I'm recording on August 23rd, 2018 at about 4.30 in the afternoon. We're a day after the sun has moved into Virgo season and three days before the Pisces full moon. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about Virgo and Pisces as polarities and as an axis, as opposite signs that are very much uh, dependent and invested in one another. And uh, if you've been a a longtime embodied astrology listener, then um, I'm changing things up a little bit. I'm going to be experimenting over the course of the next couple of months with some different formats. And one of the things I'm experimenting with is creating uh, once a month podcasts for the zodiacal season. So we're entering into Virgo season. And for the time being, at least, I'm going to let go of doing podcasts for the full moon and the new moon. But don't worry, the audio horoscopes will still keep coming twice a month. And I've got some other things cooking, some other projects in the works. And next month, um, keep uh, tuned, stay tuned for a quarterly report um, on the autumn astrology for 2018. That'll be coming out around the equinox. And also, please follow me on your social media platform of choice. Um, Every couple of days, if not every day, I've been posting on Instagram and writing short planetary aspect reports. So anytime there's a significant aspect um, between the planets, not the sun and the moon, but something going on with one of the planets or many of the planets, um, I'm writing a little report and uh, letting you know kind of how um, things might be coming through in your vibes and life events. And along with those little reports are aspect affirmations and suggestions for for how to use the, the day's astrology. So if you are enjoying embodied astrology and want more of it more regularly um, you can find that content on Instagram on Twitter and Facebook it's all the same stuff all goes to the same place Um, so check me out there and I just want to say thank you to all of you who listen to embodied astrology and have been listening for the last couple of years this is an ongoing research project for me I am an astrologer's daughter. I grew up with astrology as one of the primary languages that I speak. I've studied it for a long time. And astrology is one of the ways that I make sense out of my life. And now it's a a way that I help my clients and students make sense out of their lives. Astrology is a creative language. It's a symbolic language. It is really open for interpretation. I believe it's deeply generous. And during these times on Earth, um, especially for those of us that don't subscribe to formulaic um, kind of doctrines, philosophies, or religions, but we definitely need a sense of context and sacredness and ways to contextualize our experiences and understand what's going on, Um, astrology is such a useful tool. And that's the place that I come from with it. And I believe that this should be free. Um, I offer my work for free uh, and try and offer as much as I can um, 
outside of these podcasts by sliding scale and donation and really um, depend on you for your support. And thank you so much if you are... um, Uh, If you've been donating to Embodied Astrology, I just really appreciate it. If you share this work with your friends and family, thank you. Um, And if the podcast or the horoscopes have been um, influencing or helping you in your life in some way, and uh, you can support it, then please consider sending a couple of bucks um, one time or a recurring monthly donation. Really, really helpful to me. It helps me continue um, creating this work and sustains the project. And of course, if finances are not um, what you can share right now, then please do share the content. Um, Forward on the emails, uh, post on your socials. Um, Word of mouth is great. And every time that you click the little heart or you like, or you comment, or you write a review, it helps drive traffic. So thank you so much for doing that. Really appreciate it. Um, want to give a shout out to people in Berlin, Germany. Hello. Um, I'll be in your town September 20th through 24th, and I have a couple spots left for readings. So if you'd like to do an individual or a couple session with me, um, I have a few spots open. I also offer embodied integration. Um, an embodied integration goes along with the reading, and it includes a personalized meditation, um, practices, resources, references, uh, potentially energy work and movement work that will help you integrate what we talk about and bring it into your life in a more focused way. And I'll be doing a a full moon event. It will be the Aries full moon um, the weekend of September 23rd, but the details are still coming in. So if you're around and you want to um, come hang out for that, uh, definitely um, follow me on Instagram or sign up for the newsletter and stay updated on, on those details as they come in. Okay, so I'll get into the astrology now. Thanks for listening to all that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit first about Virgo and Pisces. Uh, I'll start off um, just kind of talking about astrology and kind of what it is in the tropical system, which is what I'm practicing. And then we'll move into the charts and I'll be looking at um, the chart for the beginning of Virgo season, the chart of the Pisces full moon, and some of the upcoming, um, more significant upcoming astrological events and how I interpret them and how we might see these uh, playing out in the world or understanding them in that way, as well as in our personal lives. Um, So here we go. Uh, Tropical astrology, this is the thing that I'm talking about in these podcasts, and there are lots of different kinds of astrology. Um, There's Chinese astrology, Mayan astrology, Indian astrology, and um, tropical astrology, and they all have their own systems, and they all have their own own interpretations, and they're all correct. And um, just like other forms of understanding and contextualizing and seeking sacredness in our lives, every approach is valuable. So um, please know that. And when you meet people that are like, well, this is the only one that's right, da, 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 da. Uh, just keep it in your mind that, um, you know, that the human experience and the experience that we have here on earth is an experience of binary and polarity. And that's actually a really big part of what tropical astrology is. And one of the ways that binary and polarity manifests in human brains is wanting to be right and thinking that there are definite answers. And uh, one of the things that we can learn through astrology is that um, there's actually no such thing as... um, 
a, a definite right or a definite answer. So when you meet those people, just kind of smile to yourself and go, okay, they don't really know what they're talking about. It's cool. And then just listen to whatever they have to say, because I'm sure you'll learn something interesting. But, you know, keep an open mind, try and learn as much as you can, because the way that astrology functions is to provide human context to astronomical data. And astronomical data in and of itself is a, is a human concept, right? Like we don't actually know what space is. And most of, uh, like most of existence is a mystery. I was talking with someone the other day and she was like, yeah, uh, I was listening to this science report and the scientist was saying that 70% of um, the universe is, is a mystery. And I was like, wow, how do they know that it's 70%? You know, even that, like, oh, 70% for sure, 70%, this is a mystery. It's like such a human gesture to be like, well, there's a percent for this, or this is this thing, and this is how we're going to track it, or this is how we're going to define it. And our brains um, really want to comprehend what's going on because we live in this, um, you know, the phenomenal world that it, it is such a miraculous and amazing and uh, constantly unfolding thing <laughs> and we don't understand it and for the most part we don't have any control and the ego really wants to understand and it wants to have control and so what we do is we tell stories and some of the stories come through science and they're called data and some of the stories come through other forms and this for uh, the stories that come through astrology um, this is the interpretation of what's going on in the in the sky and in the seasons and the correlation of uh, observations of light right observations of the planetary movements and observations of the the seasonal cycles with long-standing um, archetypes and so when I talk about astrology oftentimes I'll be like oh this planet relates to this mythology and here's the name and this is the story we've been telling about this thing for a long time and the stories that I know come from my context as a Westerner and as someone who's been brought up with tropical astrology. And the archetypes that I'm invoking and talking about, um, they have their uh, similarities to other archetypes that exist within other cultures and the ways that people have told stories about their experiences. So astrology is a, it's a human language and it's a creative interpretation of what's happening. And what tropical astrology is, is an observation of season. So if you remember back to science class and learning about um, geography or weather or seasons, maybe you've heard about the Tropic of Cancer or the Tropic of Capricorn. And these are circles of latitude. And um, the Tropic of Cancer is the most northerly circle of latitude on the Earth. And at the, the summer solstice, which occurs in the season of Cancer, then this is when the northern hemisphere is tilted towards the sun at the most that it will be in the year. And um, the opposite, right, the, in, the, in the south, in, um, we've got the Tropic of Capricorn. 
And when the Tropic of Capricorn is turned towards the sun, the most that it will be in the year, then in the Northern Hemisphere, we have the winter solstice. And in the Southern, then there's the summer solstice. And during the equinoxes, um, the Earth is tilted towards the sun in such a way that close to the poles, there is balanced light between night and day. And so these events, um, the growing and the diminishing of light, the seasons, um, mark different times throughout the year that historically, dependent upon where you live, mean different things. And there are different activities, and there are different moods, and there are different colors that you might see. And within these differences, there are also polarities. And so when in the Northern Hemisphere we're uh, starting summer, then in the Southern Hemisphere there's the beginning of winter. But summer doesn't really exist without winter. I mean, maybe you live somewhere where it's summer all the time or where it's winter all the time. But for me, I live in a place where there's seasons. And tropical astrology is, is thinking about these things. It's thinking about the way that the Earth is in um, relationship to light. And whether this light is daylight or moonlight or seasonal light, it is the relationship to light and then therefore the earthly manifestation that occurs with light. And this includes plant life, animal activity, including human activity, and mood. And over time, uh, the manifestation in accordance to light has been observed. And this is basically what science is, right? It's observational practice, noticing like, oh, when this thing happens, then this thing happens. How about I try it out in many different contexts or watch it over time and see if it continues, and then I can have a theory about it. And so astrology is not a science, um, it's not a formula, but it is an observational practice and it is very old. And astronomy and astrology used to be the same thing. We didn't used to have a division between science and sacredness. Um, and, and this practice of looking around at uh, this, you know, looking up at the sky and looking around at the earth and noticing changes and noticing how you feel about those changes and how everybody else seems to feel is probably the oldest observational practice that there is. Because again, we live in this crazy place where we can't make sense out of that much and we really want to make sense out of it. And so the way that we're going to do that is by um, creating categories for things and trying to define them and trying to um, make those categories useful in some ways. And so this is going to be my segue into talking about Virgo and Pisces, but it's also just to say, you know, this is what I'm talking about with astrology, is that astrology is a language for humans here on Earth, thinking about the cosmos and thinking about our seasonal uh, shifts and cycles. So um, think of it like that and uh, notice it for yourself, you know, really um, notice the lunar cycles and notice daytime and nighttime and the different times of day and the different seasons and pay attention because you live on this fucking amazing planet and um, the planet's going through a lot of changes right now and it needs us to pay attention to it. So astrology is one way that we can practice paying attention. This is my segue <laughs> to talking about Virgo and Pisces. So this idea of making sense out of senselessness and 
putting things to use that are part of something that's bigger and vaster and completely uh, more infinite than we can possibly comprehend is basically the axis of Virgo and Pisces. And so in some ways, we can talk about Virgo and Pisces as season, right? In the Northern Hemisphere, Virgo means back to school. Um, I don't know what it means in the Southern Hemisphere. I don't live there. If you live in the Southern Hemisphere, write me a letter and um, tell me what Virgo season is for you. Uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, I know that, you know, in Portland, Oregon, um, and in the places that I've lived in, you know, North America, um, primarily, what it means to be in Virgo season is that um, the the light of Leo, which is lots of golds and oranges and reds, now turns to the light of Virgo, which is more browns and greens. And things are starting to dry up and people are starting to get more active in kind of um, defined ways that are more practical a little bit like August is vacation time and then as we get into September um, there is this back to school feeling there's like like organization and decluttering and like putting all your stuff away from all your rafting trips and camping and this kind of thing and so summer is often like really busy and super social and then as we get into fall there's like a coming inward and so you can think about Virgo um, as a season and you can think about Pisces as a season but you can also think about them as continuum of um, different kinds of qualities. And they're both mutable signs. They're both signs that change seasons. And so we have the end of summer, beginning of autumn. And in the Southern Hemisphere, there's the ending of winter and the beginning of spring. And so we're moving either more into the darker months of the year uh, darker, colder months of the year, or moving more into the lighter, warmer months of the year. And so things are changing at these seasons. And Virgo is um, an earth sign and Pisces is a water sign. They both move down and in. So they're both uh, yin. They're responding to the internal, intuitive, um, material, emotive planes. And when I was just a moment ago mentioning this axis between um, things that we can understand and things that we can't understand, with Virgo Pisces, uh, what we have is basically the energy of everythingness, which is Pisces, and the energy of, um, of tangible, defined categories and usefulness, which is Virgo. So I'll start off talking about Pisces because it's everything. <laughs> and um, we're nearing the Pisces full moon. And what happens at a full moon, of course, is that the, the moon and the sun oppose one another, and the moon then reflects the light of the sun, and we can look up at it and um, have whatever experience we have. So go out and look at the moon if you're listening to this around the full moon, and um, honor Pisces in yourself. So the moon is the subjective nature. It's the thing that we can uh, observe in ourselves and that we can watch ourselves uh, changing over time. It's often related to the emotional instinct and to the past and to our um, kind of, yeah, subjective awareness and emotional fluctuations. Um, in a personal chart, the moon will talk about styles of nurturing and preferences for, for nurturing and caring. So during the, the Pisces uh, full moon, what we have is kind of a reflection of mystery. 
And Pisces as a quality, when you read about Pisces or Pisces people, you'll read about dreaminess, um, creativity, deep sensitivity, almost to the point of clairvoyance sometimes, um, psychicness, uh, tendencies towards addiction and codependency and lack of boundaries. <laughs> um, and let's see, what else? Um, confusingness, uh, <laughs> like not uh, a quality that likes to be defined or put into boxes or is easily articulatable. And in uh, a chart wheel, Pisces corresponds to the 12th house. And so Pisces in the 12th house are places where things are invisible. And they're invisible either because they've been forgotten and they exist in the background and they're unseen yet still felt, um, or they're invisible because they're so big that they actually can't be seen. And so this is why Pisces is represented by the ocean, because you can go out to the coast and have a great day at the beach and look out at the little tiny bit of ocean that your eyes can perceive, but the ocean is so dang big, you can't possibly see it all in one glance. You know, you have to get really, really, really far away in order to see the ocean in its totality. You have to like look at a picture from a satellite looking down on earth. But as a human being, you can't comprehend the vastness of the ocean or its depth. And this is Pisces. Pisces is that huge feeling, ineffable quality, um, this kind of like liminal space where we feel ourselves in existence, but we kind of feel ourselves existing in vastness that will totally overtake us. And in that unknown, all manner of things might be there. And so Pisces is also the dream state. And it's where we come across uh, things that have been forgotten and the spirit realms and the places that are unseen but still felt. And in the ways that Pisces represents um, what is, is hidden away and unseen, um, the, the, these are places of, of deep grief and kind of unimaginable emotional content. And Pisces is uh, extremely sensitive, and it's, it's sensitive to vibes. And vibes are the emotional, it's the emotional soup that we're swimming in. It's, um, you know, when uh, Carl Jung talks about the collective unconscious as a place where all of our emotional vibrations kind of ripple out and affect each other, and all of the imprints of our memories and our collective experiences um, live there. And maybe you're someone who's familiar with the idea of the Akashic Records. And so there is some um, kind of correspondence here to Pisces as well, that the, this is the recording of everything that has ever happened, any idea that was ever had, any experience that was ever felt, any word that was ever uttered. And that is a lasting vibration that now creates the context in which you live. And you are born into a body, and you are born into an identity of some kind, and you are born into the context of your time and your era and your culture and your family upbringing. But all of those things are entirely dependent upon everything else that is in existence and ever has been. And there's absolutely no way to untie anything from everything else. And this is Pisces. Pisces is the everything. Virgo... The opposite sign needs to 
define and discriminate and organize and categorize. And so when you read about Virgo, you'll read about people and qualities that are nitpicky, <laughs> that are really good at organizing and, um, you know, extremely intelligent um, in kind of a, a way that can categorize things, that can notate, that can put things into the places that they need to be. Virgos are so fucking productive. Like you think about Beyonce, like Queen Virgo, and her ability to manage the bigness of her personality and all that comes through her. I know a lot of Virgos who are extremely creative, extremely productive people because they resonate with this vibration of usefulness, basically. They, they figure out how to harness energy, this kind of undefined, liminal, crazy big energy, and put it into some kind of form. And that's what Virgo does. And Virgo is an earth sign, and all the earth signs correspond to form. And, and bodies. And a body isn't just like your body. A body could be anything. It can be a plate or a cup or a, um, a piece of music. You know, it's anything that comes into some kind of form. That's what Virgo likes to do. And on Earth, on our planet, um, we have this amazing intelligence of nature organizing itself into forms. And so you can think of the Pisces-Virgo continuum as Pisces being the substance of everythingness, sentience itself, kind of this deep, deep sacredness that infuses all life, and Virgo as the, the different kinds of forms that exist. Virgo defines things, it puts them in their place. And if you talk to a biologist or someone you know who studies like the phenomenal world, um, it's it's kind of it's an really for me at least it's it's like a spiritual experience. It's a deeply spiritual experience to to listen to someone talk about science because nature is so intelligent, and when you learn about how systems work with each other, they serve each other. There's so much usefulness in nature. And the way that birds and insects uh, pollinate and spread information from the plant life to different parts of uh, the earth and the way that plants bloom at certain seasons so that our bodies can metabolize the environment and whatever histamines happen to be in the air or pollens happen to be coming out or things like this. Um, and the way that that animals function and they make use out of their uh, environments and organize it. And, you know, I think um, humans have gone really way too far in this direction. But if you think of, you know, some animals like, you know, the beaver or something where it's like, wow, you know, God, you're really industrious and you figure out like how to build things and how to make the environment work for you. This is Virgo intelligence functioning. And so when you think about astrology, please don't um, make it so small uh, as to just include sun signs. It's like, oh, someone who's born in this season, therefore they're this. No, that's bullshit. We're all everything. And at different times of year, we can celebrate different qualities because those are the times of year where maybe certain impulses come out. And if someone is born at that time of year, they might resonate in that light in a really strong way. Or if they have a lot of placements in their chart in a particular sign, that might be a vibration that they are um, really good at manifesting. But we all contain all of these things. And so the Pisces part of you is the part of you that is sensitive to your environment and is continuous with it. 
in the body, Pisces rules the soles of the feet and the palms of the hands and the scalp and the perineum. And it's the places where our bodies kind of slough off and become the environment and where we absorb the environment in turn. Pisces rules the interstitial fluid. It's kind of the basic fluid substance that all of our tissues swim in and need and uh, then differentiate into different fluids. On Earth, you can see Pisces in the ocean as well as in the atmosphere and in the immensity of systems as they work together and all become one another. You can experience Pisces, as I was saying, in the collective unconscious or in the dreams. And it's where um, past impressions, and we don't know where they've come from, but they kind of filter into our psyches and consciousness. And then we have symbols and we do something with it and we get feelings and then we move in some particular direction. And that's Pisces. Virgo, on the other hand, expresses itself through organizing things. And your body is this miraculous organization of systems. And, you know, I, I sometimes think like, um, I don't totally understand why we need religion, <laughs> really. I mean, it, it seems like this um, kind of f really formulaic and um, pretty delusional um, interpretation of stories and exaltation of figures that doesn't that doesn't seem to make much sense to me because I think god you know if you just look at a body or if you look at the earth there's so much sacredness in everything do we really need stories about what the highest power is or what happens in the afterlife or this and that none of that is necessary it all takes us away from the actual point which is that there's intelligence in everything and I study bodies and I'm so amazed by them all the time, even bodies that are in a lot of pain, even bodies that are really sick, that the way that systems work and the way that bodies know how to grow themselves and the intricacy of these systems and how exact they are can get developed over and over again. And the way that evolution happens and bodies can adapt to environments. This is like amazing, mind-blowing stuff. And this is Virgo. Virgo seeks to put materials to use. And in Virgo, we have the archetype of the servant or the priestess. And the idea that there's this, there's this bounty of sacredness all around us. And therefore, we need to attend to it. We need to clean up after ourselves. We need to take care of the environment. We need to um, nurture it and nourish ourselves in such a way that we keep the systems functioning well with each other. And so in the body, Virgo rules the intestines and the processes of absorption, assimilation, and discernment. And so when you eat food and you digest it and then you know, it sits in your stomach for a while, gets saturated with, um, with juices and bile and stomach acid, and then it goes into your intestines and spends a couple of days, you know, depending on what you've eaten, it spends a couple of days in your intestines. And during that time, your body is doing this really important work of discerning. I need this. I don't need that. And um, nutrients and uh, the, you know, proteins and different um, uh, acids are um, kind of filtering out through the tissues of your intestines and they're moving into the fluids, right? And then they're uh, moving into the places where they need to go. And so some cells are 
putting out a call to receive certain things and then the blood is picking up other things and the lymph is picking up other things and they're being moved to the places that they need to go. And this is the thing that Virgo does, is it, is it directs things and it organizes things. And the undifferentiated everythingness and the inarticulatable vastness of Pisces needs some organization. And this is what Virgo does, is it turns that stuff into stuff. And it materializes and it manifests and it organizes. And so the Virgo Pisces uh, polarity is a polarity of sacredness and sacredness in service. And Virgo is the archetype of the servant. And as beings who embody Virgo, all of us, it is our sacred duty to attend to this stuff, to put ourselves in service to it, not to ourselves not to our own egos, but to look around at the environment and go, wow, this is an amazing, beautiful, sacred place. What can I do to care for it? And what can I do to make it better and clean, clean it? And Virgo rules purification and cleanliness. And so these are the qualities of, of Virgo and Pisces. And um, in Virgo season, let's celebrate the people who are born in Virgo season and who might exhibit uh, tendencies of um, you know, talent for organization and the ability to take uh, creativity and turn it into form. And let's honor them and let's learn from them. And um, then let's practice this in our own lives. Particularly right now, you know, this is um, a pretty important idea because as I'm sitting here on August 23rd, I'm looking out my window and I'm not only seeing, you know, the brown grass and the colors of Virgo coming through, I'm seeing this intense, <clears throat> heavy gray sky. And I've got all my windows closed because there's this extreme air pollutant advisory out and the whole West Coast is burning. Um, lots of fires around the world this year. And um, the, I think the largest hurricane since 1992 is approaching Hawaii right now. And we've got um, really intense flooding in India. And um, this kind of red tide uh, massacre of marine life that's going on in Florida. And what is happening in the environment um, is, is really affecting us and it's affecting all of our systems. And there's no person or being that is going to immune, be immune to this. And I don't know what the fuck is going on out there with um, the higher ups and the people who are in power and um, this continuous drive to, co to keep consuming and to keep going down this road of destruction. Um, but it is really going towards destruction and we're feeling that a lot right now. And so the only thing that is kind of making sense to me right now is to invest in sacredness. And with this idea of Pisces and the everythingness of Pisces, um, one of the, the things that I'm feeling a lot is how much collective feeling there is and that we don't have a lot of tools to deal with, to process our feelings. And so they're coming out in destructive patterns and in destructive uh, ways of being. And humans are, you know, destroying the planet and we're destroying ourselves and um, we shouldn't kid ourselves about that. We're in the Anthropocene. This is the, the 
era or that epoch on earth where um, human made impact is um, the most dramatic effect on the earth and a lot of species are dying and the, the earth is starting to go into its own process of feedback basically and so what's happening from human made activity is now um, resulting in earth activity that is um, uh, moving into extremes rapidly and so you know as basically like carbon pollution settles over the the ice caps um what that color used to do you know the white ice reflecting light away from it now is absorbing uh sunlight and melting faster and we've got ocean levels rising and um you know with all the smoke that's coming up here there's a lot more carbon monoxide that's going into the air that's going to be picked up by clouds it's going to turn into rain uh, toxic rain is coming down on all of our plants, including and in our, in our bodies, and these are going to come into our bodies. And I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, and they're really into astrology and, you know, into these like cosmic shifts and um, like trying to, to raise vibrations and stuff like that. And it's super important to raise vibrations and to um, like attune to cosmic energy and this kind of thing. And, and at the same time, um, let's pay attention to what's happening because uh, we, we need to, and we need to be um, in service to the sacredness that is around us and not just through um, full moon rituals and like prayers, but actually through tangible practical action. And this is Virgo. So tangible practical action right now, um, in as many ways as you can share with each other, uh, this is some of the, the wisdom, I think, of Pisces is Pisces is extremely generous. And so when you read about Pisces and the, the famous lack of boundaries that Pisces has and how Pisces can sometimes martyr itself and it doesn't, you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't believe in separation. And so when people act as if they're separate, when they like just seek to serve their own ego or something like this, it makes Pisces very sad. And Pisces wants to give and give and give. And for humans, you know, like, I don't know, we live in ways that are extremely egocentric. And so people who are very generous are often exploited and taken advantage of. And now is a great time to start to shift that trend and practice generosity. And if we can not consume as much, then we can have a smaller imprint, carbon footprint, and um, smaller impact on the earth. And so the more that you can share, the more that you can give resources to the people who need them so that, you know, people can have them, they don't need to go out and buy them, um, that there can be more equality, please do that. If you're someone who has financial resource and you have enough, figure out how to share your money. You know, if you're someone who has political um, sway, figure out how to lobby for collectivism for um, commons, you know, better public transportation, better access to resources that we can all share, um, better education, food banks, etc. You know, there are ways that we can start to reduce our impact on the earth and it may not be enough and it may not be soon enough, but the more that we can remember generosity with one another and love for each other, then we can start to get away from these crazy arguments that are spurred on by capitalism. And some of the things that are going on right now um, in the news, I think, are um, are really astounding, you know, and that they're coming up at this season um, and that they speak directly to it. So, of course, there's the, the news about the weather and climate. 
Um, there's also, you know, in the last couple of days, this news about a major prison strike across the U.S. and Canada. And um, it's a 19-day hunger strike uh, that began a couple of days ago, and it, it began on the 47th anniversary of the death of um, George Jackson, who was a Black Panther leader, and who died in, in the San Quentin prison. And so prisons uh, and prisoners are part of the Pisces-Virgo axis. Pisces is a place where things are hidden and forgotten about, and it is also systems that are too big to be understood. When people are sent off to prison, they are hidden and forgotten about, except by the people who are related to them and love them dearly. And sometimes even by those people, especially if they're going to serve a life sentence, because what else can you do but try and get on with your life? And as I'm sure you know, um, the majority of inmates in the United States are black and brown men, and uh, the prison system is an industrial system. It is a for-profit system that has been built to basically perpetuate slavery. And slavery has never ended. So sorry to those of you who thought it ended with the Civil War. It didn't. It just changed forms. And what we have now is perhaps the biggest form of slavery that we've ever had, but it's hidden and it's not talked about and it's pretty mysterious unless you happen to know about it. And Virgo is the sign that rules slaves. And what we have in this axis is the, the work and the labor of many that result in a big impact. And so the impact here, you know, could be um, unseen labor. And prison inmates are um, a huge source of labor for the United States. Right now, as we speak, the biggest fire in California's history is burning. And I forget how many of the firefighters, but a significant amount of firefighters are inmates. And they're risking their lives. They're doing extremely challenging, really dangerous work. And they're being paid something like $4 an hour. I don't even know if it's that. There's no benefits. There's no benefit given to their families. There's no life insurance. Um, I uh, used to date someone who was a firefighter. And I can tell you that, you know, firefighting is, is really extreme work. And, um, you know, deep respect to, to those who do it. But because it's such extreme work, there are amazing benefits for firefighters and their families. I, I mean, usually, at least where we were. But the prisoners don't get any of those. Their, their families don't get any benefits. And um, there's a, a lot of labor in terms of environmental cleanup, um, road building, uh, manufacturing and production that is done by inmates. And they get paid sometimes as little as two cents an hour. And meanwhile, they're charged exorbitantly for stuff. Like if they want to make a phone call to their family, it's this crazy rate. You know, and to get on Skype, maybe to see their kids. It's this really high rate to use the internet. And prisons themselves are for-profit businesses. And a lot of prisons are built in primarily white rural communities. And what has happened is the building of an industry that keeps primarily black and brown people imprisoned by primarily white people who are profiting off of their labor, off of their unseen labor. 
So this is one way to see Virgo Pisces in action and not to, um, not to reduce the um, severity of what I'm talking about or to, to diminish it by somehow re by relating it to astrology, but to, to talk about this instinct um, that th there are things that we can't comprehend and that are unseen, that are at play all the time in the systems that we are all part of. And some of us might be experiencing um, those systems through benefit and through privilege, and others of us might be experiencing those systems through exploitation and um, oppression. But we're all part of it. And a, lo a lot of these systems are invisible. To us we don't see them we don't see how they function so if what I was just talking about is news to you if you want to learn more about it there was a, a great book that came out a couple of years ago written by Michelle Alexander called the new Jim Crow and if you haven't read it I would really encourage you to get out and read it ASAP um, she's a civil rights lawyer and um, the way that she talks about slavery and the evolution of slavery and how it has now become basically cemented into the fabric of the United States is fascinating and terrifying and um, really clear. So if that's news to you, then please go look at it and, and also pay attention to this prison strike that's happening because prisoners are organizing and they're responding to inhumane, really cruel treatment of inmates in prisons. Um, so right, these, these for-profit businesses are treating inmates um, in horrible ways and there's a ton of violence, of course, and um, there's been a, a number of recent deaths. And so this is a protest and um, there's a, a list of demands um, and pay attention. I'll, I'll post more information about that on um, the blog. So if you get at uh, embodiedastrology.com and look for the post for this um, Virgo season, Pisces full moon, you can get more information about that there. So that's, that's one piece that's in the news right now and um something to to pay attention to and you know of course in the news right now we've got like all this stuff about um donald trump and um like this underground network of corruption which is no surprise to anybody but now the details are coming out and um this is another kind of example of this is just like how deep these mysterious systems go and then how they come out in these different ways and in how we organize ourselves and um you know attend to our our work and um the way that we make sense out of things so uh, I think I lost my train of thought there. Anyway, check that out. Um, as we move into Virgo season, um, the, the day that the sun goes into Virgo, the sun begins to form what's called a grand trine. And a grand trine is when all three signs of the same element are lit up with planetary movement. And so the sun is moving into early Virgo now. And concurrently, Saturn and Uranus are both at two degrees, respectively, of Capricorn and Taurus. Both of these planets are retrograde. So I'm going to talk a little bit about them and what's going on with them. Um, so I've talked about Virgo. A grand trine now is getting set off by the sun. And this is a trine that is um, most potent um, around the full moon, these couple of days, kind of late August. But really throughout um, the next couple of weeks, we're going to feel it and be able to access it. A grand trine in Earth is a time when um, there's energy to materialize and to manifest. Now, that said, 
two of the major players, Saturn and Uranus, are retrograde. And so things that are begun right now um, may not move forward as you think they will or as you plan for them. And in your personal lives, this is a really good time to experiment. Hence all the experimenting with embodied astrology and seeing how different forms are going to work, but not really committing to any of them. So if you like the seasonal format, send me some feedback because I'm experimenting. And if you are in a position where you're thinking about making changes um, to your body, to your home environment, in your jobs or something like this, these next couple of months would be a time to do that because it's not a great time to make definitive changes, but it is a great time to start uh, working with materials and working with manifestation um, in kind of a new and different way. So Saturn entered Capricorn last December, and um, it has been in its retrograde, actually the retrograde cycle, kind of for a while. So there's the retrograde cycle when the planet actually appears to move backwards, and then there's what's called the shadow, um, and that's a, the kind of extended and entire cycle um, where it has to like you know go all the way back to the angle it was when it turned. Um, uh, forward and when it has to go all the way forward to where it was when it turned backwards. So the retrograde of, excuse me, the shadow of Saturn retrograde extends from January 10th, 2018 until December 13th, 2018, basically this whole year. But the actual cycle of the planet going backwards is, or appearing to go backwards is uh, April 18th through September 16th. So um, coming up in the next couple of weeks um, and before you get the next podcast, Saturn is going to turn direct on the 16th. And this is significant because Saturn is the planet of maturity and it is the way that we make sense out of things and figure out how to build on them and create forms and define rules. And Saturn is moving through Capricorn and Capricorn is one of the signs that Saturn rules. And Capricorn as an energy rules rules. <laughs> and so right now there's like all this legislation that's trying to get passed. You know, the EPA, the so-called Environmental Protection Agency, which Trump has completely dismantled, is now not doing its job at all and is trying to totally fuck the environment by, you know, like reversing Obama era protections that never got to go into place because of yada, yada, yada. Um, people basically being more concerned about their money than they are about the future of the planet. Um, luckily, we've got people who are fighting against it and legislation is getting blocked and, um, you know, the, like a lot of the policies that the EPA is trying to either dismantle or push through are getting stalled. Still, there's a lot of shit going on. And so Saturn and Capricorn is one of the things that, you know, we should look at for um, information about which way the rules are going to go. In your personal lives... Um, it's kind of the same thing. So you have the order of things and the way that you're trying to approach your achievements and your ambition. And this is the place that Capricorn is for you. Your ambition, your career, your adultness. What are you working on building right now? What are the ways that you are, are trying to mature? And if you happen to know your rising sign, then you can see where Capricorn is in your chart. And whatever house that is, is the place where you are maturing and working to build some structure. 
And so right now is a time when you actually have a lot of planetary support to start to make some changes. And again, don't make these changes in in like finalized ways. Don't think that you're going to make the change and that's the thing that it's going to be. Put it out there as an experiment. Just try things out, but do start making the changes. You're supported to be doing that. Similarly, uh, Uranus, the planet of change, awakening, revolution, liberation, freedom, um, is in the sign of Taurus and has been there since this past May. Though since April, it's also been in its own uh, retrograde cycle. And so in April, it began its shadow. In um, early August, just a couple of weeks ago, on August 7th, it stationed retrograde. Uranus will be retrograde in Taurus until next January. Um, it, it turns direct on January 6th at I think 28 degrees of Aries. So it's going to go all the way back into um, the previous sign Aries. And then it'll take until next April um, to get out of its shadow. And so it's basically in a retrograde for almost an entire year, um, almost exactly an entire year. And Uranus is a, a really slow moving planet. So it takes about seven years to get through a sign. And right now we're just beginning Uranus and Taurus. And the next seven years will bring pretty uh, remarkable shifts and maybe a lot of chaos onto the earth. And Taurus rules earth in its uh, weight and in its economies. It rules wealth, it rules food, and it rules bodies. So Uranus and Taurus is a time when all of those things will be affected and therefore start to think in Uranian ways about all of those things. And so Uranus is inventive. Um, it is, uh, <laughs> it's a genius. So can you please just start to be a genius now and figure out how to work innovatively with your communities. Um, and so when I'm saying share resources, this is uh, something that is going to be really important for Uranus and Taurus. Um, we have to figure out new and different ways to work with economies. And I've mentioned this a number of times in this podcast. Um, yeah, we'll probably see um, like a rise in digital currency and Bitcoin and things like that. But as long as our currencies are still based on greed, we're actually not doing anything new. Currency is just changing uh, its form. To actually be innovative, let's do something that's different and start to be more experimental and liberate ourselves from the constructs of uh, economies in general. You know, let's get liberated from valuing people on the dollar and instead let's value people for their inherent humanness. Um, Uranus as an energy when it's used the, the best is when we awaken. And Uranus rules the pituitary gland and the sixth chakra. It is the awakening force. It is the ability to actually perceive. And um, if we actually perceive and look around, we live in an abundant place. And we can liberate ourselves from scarcity thinking and move into abundance thinking. And we will solve our problems in probably about a week. Um, so Uranus and Taurus... Um, uh, is something that's going on right now and it'll be activated by the sun moving into Virgo. And this grand trine that we're in, um, you know, there, there will probably be a, a fair amount of tumult in this upcoming month. And so things that have been, you know, changing and starting to go into certain forms, like they're, they're going to get a little more heightened in their changingness and chaos. 
probably. And in your own life, use this energy to focus on what is the most practical. And the most practical is going to be attending to bodies, attending to earth and attending to your environment. The most practical is like not how much money can you save. It is, um, do you know how to filter water? Do you know how to grow food? Do you know how to actually connect with people? And the way that these aspects are framing the full moon is in a kite configuration, or I should framing, but I meant to say working with. So we have a kite configuration in the astrology. And this kite uh, gives a lot of emphasis to the full moon, and the full moon is illuminating um, Neptune in Pisces, and it is bringing a lot of energy to this uh, uh, planetary influence. So I've talked a lot about Pisces already. Neptune is Pisces' modern ruler, and as a planet, Neptune wants us to transcend our separateness. It wants us to rise above the misinformation, the fake news that we're separate. And to understand that, um, you know, that there is oneness. And oneness is not homogeneity. It doesn't mean that everybody is the same. You know, oneness is complex, interweaving, interpermeating systems that all make each other um, function and that serve and feed one another. So, you know, we need a lot of global diversity. We need diversity in people. We need diversity in perspective. We need diversity in plant life. We need diversity in animal life. Um, it's really important. When we have homogeneity, um, we get blight. <laughs> we get cancer. We get death. Um, you know, like big agriculture is homogeneity, you know, instead of many small farms all growing different things and like having lots of pollinators and abundance around, we have huge farms all growing the same thing. And then we have big influx of um, insects and um, diseases in the plants. So then there needs to be a whole bunch of pesticides and the ground gets, the soil gets raped of all its nutrients and there's not enough turnover. And, you know, that sucks. So <laughs> we need diversity and diversity is also oneness and it keeps the oneness going it keeps these interpermeating systems functioning well with one another and neptune in pisces at its highest manifestation is remembering love remembering that love is the basic currency between all beingness um, so at this full moon and for virgo season Practice remembering your oneness with things. Go outside and look at a plant and remember the part of you that is plant. You know, hold a, hold a rock in your hand and remember the part of you that is rock and mineral. And when you drink water, remember that your body is 70 or 80% water. And when you talk to someone, look at them and remember that that person was an infant and that they were born and that they were cared for and that they've had to go through a whole lot of stuff that's been extremely hard in their lives and love them. So anyway, <laughs> move into a couple more um, astrology aspects that, that are coming up in the next month um, before I get at you again. So Mars is going to turn direct in just a couple of days on August 27th. It's been retrograde since June 26th. Um, it's been in its shadow since May 10th. It will leave its shadow on October 10th. Mars retrograde uh, has been in the sign Aquarius. And over the last couple of months, um, 
myself and everybody I know has been working with their nervous system in some way, maybe through actual events that are triggering uh, nervous system kinds of experiences. But most of us, what I've been noticing is that a lot of people are like really working on themselves. And this is a time to really work on yourself. And I don't know, I, I mean, you read the news and I don't know what the fuck is going on for a lot of people, but everybody I talk to is like, wow, you know, the world could end tomorrow and it sure does feel like that. So what's really important? And people are making amazing changes in their lives right now. They're really starting to, not starting, they are really um, honing in on what feels important. They're opening their hearts. They're being radically honest. They're shifting the ways that they're living. They're focusing on love. And they're trying to, to cut out some of the bullshit and the chatter. And Mars retrograde in Aquarius is going, hey, you've got habits, what are the habits that are keeping you from actually experiencing the fullness of your life? Change them. Changing your nervous system is not easy. It's recognizing your bias. It's recognizing things that are in the unconscious and in the background and in the habitual. And it's making a choice going, I don't really want to be like that anymore. And then it's the deciding to change, which does not happen overnight. It happens over a consecutive amount of time. When you catch yourself doing the same thing, responding the same way, saying the, you know, telling the same stories and then decide to like shift it and you try and you try and you try again. And eventually it gets easier. And sometimes there's some kind of flash of insight and you like cut out a, a habit immediately. But for most of us, it's going to be a consistent and sustained effort to change. But over this summer, a lot of you, a lot of us have been doing just that. And so when Mars turns direct in a couple of days, and then as it moves out of its shadow by mid-October, um, you will probably find that, you know, wherever Aquarius is in your chart, those are the places where you have been working on restructuring your nervous system habits, particularly as uh, they exist in relationship to your relationships. And Aquarius rules the social and it rules our um, uh, kind of dual experience as individuals and as members of society. And the ways that you have been socialized and the ways that you participate in the social, these are big themes for Aquarius. Aquarius also rules the nervous system and it has um, uh, some kind of relationship with fascia in the body and the way that our bodies hold patterns. Um, Aquarius is an air sign, it's fixed air, it's fixed thinking. Um, and where Aquarius is, is, excuse me, where Mars is turning direct is in the last degrees of Capricorn. So wherever this place is in your chart, this is the place where you're, you're going back, 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 back and finding some kind of rule and then deciding to shift it. Rules are made to be broken. <laughs> that is an Aquarius mantra if there ever was one. Uh, also coming up in just a couple of days on September 9th, Venus will move into Scorpio. Venus has been in Libra the last couple of weeks in its home sign. This is lovely, Venus in Libra. It's great for the social. It's, um, you know, a, a time when things in general seem to be more pleasant and easier to navigate. And as Venus moves into Scorpio, it's going to start to um, kind of get influenced and influence Jupiter's uh, long, long time transit there. So Jupiter's been there since last November. And Venus will actually have its own retrograde um, in 
Scorpio and it'll retrograde um, on October 5th and its retrograde goes through mid-November. It's going to travel all the way back to 25 degrees of Libra um, and that's the degree point it'll be at on September 1st. So pay attention September 1st, um, what's going on in your relationships particularly and in your love life and with your money. These are the things that Venus rules as well as with your self-esteem. And then as Venus moves into Scorpio and goes into its retrograde, there will probably be some kind of period of moving into a deeper experience with your own needs and desires. This is Scorpio. There may be some emotional truth that comes out, or there may be some kind of outing of information that's important for you in, in regards to these things. And of course, you want to look and see where Scorpio is in your chart as well for more information. And then... Um, as it turns direct on um, November 16th, uh, things will start to turn around. And then as it gets into December and, and moves into the next sign, Sagittarius, things will probably start to lighten up. But September, October of Venus and Scorpio, if you are a person with a lot of Scorpio in your chart, or if you are a Scorpio sun, Venus in your sign can be very lovely. If you are a person who has placements in um, Aquarius or Leo, then Venus at a, at a square, and so there might be more challenge. Um, in the opposite sign, Taurus could go kind of either way. Um, so, so take a look at your own chart and see if you can um, decipher for yourself kind of where this movement is. And of course, if you want to work with me, I've got um, spots open now for October and November. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to talk about is uh, Jupiter sextile to Pluto. So Jupiter sextile to Pluto is coming up. Um, oops, I forgot to write down the dates. I'll tell you just in a second. Um, this is the third time that Jupiter will make this aspect in its transit of Scorpio. So Jupiter entered Scorpio last November, and it takes about 12 months to move through a sign. And Jupiter in Scorpio is, um, you know, wherever Jupiter is, it brings growth and learning and expansion. And Scorpio is a sign of the of deep uh, and lasting emotions and emotional entanglement and things that are known but secret. So different from Pisces, things that are unknown and maybe forgotten um, or in the background. Uh, Scorpio is the stuff that it, it's known, but it's not spoken. And so taboo, secrets, shame. Jupiter is a benefic. And so uh, for you personally, um, my hope is that you are getting to a place of um, deeper emotional literacy and able to um, come into more recognition of your own needs and desires. Um, for some of you, though, this may have been a fairly turbulent time, and we can see this, you know, of course, reflected in the news since Jupiter went into Scorpio. There's been a lot of outings and information that is being revealed, particularly in regards to Scorpio themes, sex, death, money, power, and the taboo. So, of course, you know, um, all the sexual allegations that started with Harvey Weinstein and then resulted in this, like, uh, ongoing um, kind of um, wave of of outings that you know that have come with the Me Too movement of of people um, you know revealing uh, sexual misconduct and abuse um, and outing people. And this is a big Jupiter and Scorpio event, or we've got, you know, just endless news of, of corruption in government that's coming out, and particularly around money and the use of money, um, and of course, arms and, and warfare and guns, and these are all things that Scorpio rules. 
Um, and Pluto is the modern ruler of Scorpio. And so it is an actor of scorpionic traits. And what it does is it kills things. And it kills things by eroding them, by um, exposing their weakness and uh, knocking them down and taking away what is um, being grasped at. And Pluto is moving through Capricorn, the sign of big government, powerful people, and bosses. And it's moving through Capricorn, the sign of skeleton and skin, the infrastructure and the boundaries. Um, and this is what we're seeing, you know, on a national level for sure, an international level for sure, is um, the destruction of the traditions, you know, and the, the power structures as they have been are getting infused with Pluto and a lot of like really scary power is rising um, and hopefully it is uh, also going to meet its downfall soon. Um, but Jupiter sextile to Pluto, these two energies lend themselves to one another. In your charts, in your personal lives, um, this is a time to confront power. And um, from September 7th through the 13th, uh, we'll have the exact sextile. And um, during this time, you know, think back to um, April 7th through 17th and January 14th through 20th of 2018. These are the last times that Jupiter and Pluto were sextile. And so if you think back to these times, you might notice themes. And the themes are going to be um, around empowerment and emotion, deep emotion, um, power dynamics, and the ways that emotions are used. And this might be between you and you, it might be between you and some kind of structure that you're a part of, or, um, you know, a, a relationship of some kind. Um, again, money is figured prominently. And so of course, money and power go together often as well as sex. Um, but think, think back to these times, because this is the last time that we'll have this aspect. And hopefully there's some kind of resolution um, to whatever it is that you have been working out um, through these aspects. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there for now. And um, if you want to stay up to date with me and with the aspects as they happen, again, follow me on Instagram, Embodied Astrology, Facebook, or Twitter. And um, sign up uh, for the newsletter and stay updated um, on my website. If you go to the website, embodiedastrology.com, you will find affirmations for every sign that correspond to your audio horoscopes. And the audio horoscopes are for the Pisces full moon. And I will have horoscopes coming up in two weeks for the Virgo new moon. Um, and then who knows what else I'm going to try. So um, Follow me in the places you can and stay updated. And if you're in Berlin and you want to hang out, send me an email. And thanks once again for listening. Thanks for sharing this work and thanks for supporting it in all of the ways that you do. I'm sending love to all of you. Please stay safe. Love each other. Um, be decent humans. Share what you have and celebrate the goodness in your life. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.